Wrestling Recommendations, episode 51. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... Uh, Travis Laster, uh, uh, the lawn mowing Travis Laster. just finished mowing grass and eating, and now I'm ready to record this podcast and talk about how Tori Wilson and Don Marie main evented this show and not these guys. <laughs> it is weird. It is so weird. I was going to talk about that, too. It is fucking weird. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, of course. Travis, it's been fucking hot the last couple of days. I'm, I don't know if you can tell. I'm still fucking sunburnt from this past weekend. Yeah, I was like 85 degrees today. I was mowing grass. So fuck you, Eric. Falls That's not too here hot, yet, buddy. Bitch. No, it was like the, the other day. It was like eight, like 79 was the high, and I was like, yes. And then like the last couple days have been so fucking hot. Eric jinxed it. He sent that picture. It's like, oh, after today, the 80s are gone. And I was, and then I sent him one like six hours later. It's like, no, they're not, bitch. Now it's like <laughs> 85 degrees outside. Love you. Yeah, it's Eric fucking Weaver. hot. It's it's fucking hot in here as I'm recording. Um. I rushed home really quick to get an angle as a machine. <laughs> I saw your name. I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. Yeah, we'll get to this. This match is is fucking great. Like I, I'm, I'm really happy about it. The match we're covering that the will of destiny chose for us is a four way elimination match to crown a number one contender for Armageddon 2002. This features Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, and Chris Benoit from December 5th. 2002 on SmackDown. So we're going to kind of dive right on into it. Upon researching Benoit and Angle from Royal Rumble 2003, which is probably one of my favorite episodes that we've ever covered, I stumbled across this match in my um, research. Uh, with this match, like I was saying, the winner receiving a WWE Championship match at Armageddon 2002 against The Big Show. Mm. We, or, we already talked about this on... Um, Armageddon 2002 as well, because we covered Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. Uh, fun fact, that match is uh, the second most downloaded match of the podcast. So uh, it's still right behind, um, what is it? Oh, the Steiners and the Miracle Violence uh, Connection. None. Beat out uh, Botwinkle and... Uh, it's like neck know. and neck. It's very, very close. But th- that match is number, number two. Uh, this match may have been long forgotten considering how many matches are aired weekly throughout the WWE. Think of how many matches have slipped through the cracks of the WWE, WWF, and we noticed them, even w, I mean, WCW as well, just mm-hmm. because of how much content there was. Um, you know, even I've, I've paused my WCW 92 watch along. I haven't really had time. Um, but even with those, there's matches that pop up on there. You're like, I, you know, I forgot all about this match. Well, that's kind of how this match was for me. I can I can remember watching SmackDown at this time and seeing this match, but it's just because it's every week it's they're pumping out. And at this point, they're pumping out quality matches every week. It's not jobbers versus a star or stuff like we covered on Wrestling Ruin in nineteen ninety five. Like it's literally stars versus stars or names versus names, as people say on the, the independent circle circuit. Um but you know that that's the thing. That's why I enjoy watching back through like these Raws and Nitros because we're constantly adding matches to it because it's like 
well, crap, I forgot about this match, but it's because you're getting a sensory overload because every week everything's moving, moving, moving. So you forget about that match. That's the way it is with pay-per-views now too. Like you're on to the next show, uh, or like WrestleMania, you're on to the raw the next night or AEW was on to from all in to all out. And like you, you're just moving on. So you, it's hard for people to sit there and let stuff simmer and be like, man, that was a great match because there's just so much coming at you these days and ages. Yeah. Like I believe this weekend coming up here, we have, NXT No Mercy, and then the following week weekend after that, we get Fastlane, which I it creeped up on us. I didn't even realize we we're getting a pay per view that that soon. And uh, Wrestle Dream is uh, coming too for AW, which is going to have uh, Danielson versus Saber on it. So that should be a banger. If uh, there is going to be one on that show, that would probably be it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, see, Eric, we we, we already put over AEW for something. So there you go. Fuck you, Eric. So, Travis, let's dive right on into the SmackDown 6. In 2002, WWE featured six wrestlers in high-quality matches that often stole the show. Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Eddie and Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Edge were known as the SmackDown 6. We will talk about Rey and Chavo more later on. Um, more so Rey, not so much Chavo. Um, to focus on the four guys that are in this match. When the draft took place in 2002, it catapulted Edge and Kurt Angle into a big feud on SmackDown. They would have matches all throughout spring 2002, including a banger of a match from Backlash 2002, which is on our list, and another great match where Edge defeated Kurt Angle in a hair versus hair match at Judgment Day. Uh, it's, it leads to greatness because Kurt starts wearing the wig with the headgear and all that stuff until Hogan pulls it off of him. Uh, it's so and he much. makes Hogan tap out. Yep, and it's some of Kurt's. Uh, he's serious, but he still has the comedy side. It, it's just, it's really good. It's wild to think too. Like this is what catapulted Colt Kurt to be bald, and we pretty much get baldless Kurt Angle in that weird stage in like the main event Mafia when he grew his hair out a little bit. It was fucking weird. Uh, but it, it's it. I know Kurt Angle more so as the bald Kurt Angle than I do the haired Kurt Angle because of this. And uh, it was it was the right move, and it suited his character as well. Well, Angle, when he came in, was already kind of thinning. Like, he went for, like, 99, he still had, like, 99, 2000. He kind of had that full head of hair. But by the time he goes through Crispin Wall matches in 2001, you could start to see it thinning. It's already going back. So, yeah, they definitely made that uh better move and it also made angle look like more of a badass too like he didn't have that goofy look like he looked like he was a fucking as my name says angle was a fucking machine so it made him look even more like a a, a vicious vicious uh grappler as i would say yeah he i mean it, it definitely suited the character and the singlets were fucking great um i think you know you could argue edge at this time too is edge was kind of slated to be the breakout star of mm -hmm. SmackDown to kind of become, you know, catapult him into the main event. He's already, you know, succeeded in the tag division with Christian. He's already, you know, had a singles run as the, uh, King Intercontinental the champion, King of the King ring. The ring. Um, they're, they're already starting to get him up to that point. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, to know if Brock Lesnar wasn't there where, you know, some of these guys in the SmackDown six would have ended up sooner because um, Brock Lesnar is pretty much the focal point of SmackDown for the entirety of 2002 and 2003 until he leaves in 2004. Uh, around this time, Chris Benoit was still recovering from neck injury, uh, where he had surgery but would be drafted 
to SmackDown, fifth overall and third to SmackDown, only behind The Rock and Kurt Angle. But once he returned from injury, he would show back up on Raw. Benoit had talked about it on his document, his Hard Knocks documentary, that um, he had no idea he was going to be drafted. Oh yeah, because he was like pretty much out. Like there was nothing; it was not factored into anything. And then all of a sudden, he sees his name pop up that he's drafted, and it was it was crazy because like when they did that, you're like, oh man, he's getting ready to return. He's coming back, and then it was like another two or three months before he ever showed back up. Yeah, it was it was a very weird time, and it's weird that he just randomly popped back up on Raw. Um, I guess you know, people just you know how the, the draft goes; it is it's kind of bullshit. Um, at this time, they took it a little bit more serious. Um, but he would return on Raw. Eddie Guerrero would be fired in November two thousand one following a car wreck due to his drug and alcohol problems. He would venture back to New Japan and hot indie shows like Ring of Honor before making his return to WWE shortly after the 2002 draft on Raw. The most infamous match that is always talked about is Rey Mysterio without his mask, Eddie Guerrero, and CM Punk from Ring of Honor. Or was IWA Mid-South? Was it IWA Mid-South? It's, it's, it's IWA Mid-South. That, that's where that was. Because I remember having that on those like those big six d- disc sets of Punk that were released through high spots. That was one of the main reasons to buy it, because it had that match on it in its entirety. And that's wild. And, and Eddie was putting on bangers pretty much everywhere he was going. And you could tell he was getting his life back back in order. And something you can never really say about Eddie Guerrero after um, pretty much after he loses his singlet um, all the way, you know, towards the end of WCW into WWF, dude was always ripped, always mm-hmm. looked like in great shape. Oh, yeah. He was he was he was around this time, man. He was doing really good for himself on the indies and Bruce Pritchard's even said it on his podcast. It's like they let him go because he had a problem, but they always kept an eye on him to see what he was doing. Like, so when he, they saw that he had his life back together and that he was ready to come back and he was clean, they, they hired him back and he immediately came back and started having great matches with RVD for the intercontinental title. Yeah, and all on top of that, too, um, he actually has a really good match with The Rock mm-hmm. on Raw around this time as well. I don't know if it's on our list. It's a very short match, though. It's one of the only times I believe they ever wrestle. And it's also around this time that Austin wanted to work Guerrero, too. So it's um, it's just he was just that good, man, that those guys wanted to work with him. And then he proved that he could he could get himself straight and 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 stayed on that path for until he, you know, untimely passed away. But he was he was great, man. This this SmackDown six was it did exactly what it's supposed to do. Showcase these guys and every one of these guys could work. Uh, even Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, Chavo. Benoit would form a team with Eddie Guerrero on Raw and would eventually defeat Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental Championship. However, both Eddie and Benoit would show be shown leaving Raw and joining SmackDown due to Kayfabe general manager Stephanie McMahon signing them away. Paul Heyman, in reality, was involved heavily in the booking and storyline process for SmackDown. And in a real-life trade, he would trade Test, Christian, and Chris Jericho for Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. He infamously has said that he was laughed at. Um, And the reason that they threw Jericho in there was because um, Vince looked at him as, like, comedy and 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 being entertaining and didn't really see the entertaining spe- aspect of Guerrero and Benoit. I think it was a hell of a trade for SmackDown. 
I do too. And man, and this is where Guerrero kind of finds himself as an entertainer because he starts the whole lie, cheat, and steal thing and coming out with like the low riders and the music. And it's it's definitely a turning point for Guerrero. And and Benoit's just Benoit, man. He was wrestling machine. I, I've said that a lot, but like he was just he was just the man. And you can't say enough good about the the wrestling aspect of Chris Benoit. Like he was a wrestler's wrestler. A lot of people's if what hadn't happened to him happened, they would still be talking about him as one of the best in-ring workers of all time just because he's just that damn good. From WCW through the WWF, I mean, he was thrust right in the main event when he signed with the WWF in 2000. I mean, I, we just put I just put a match with him and The Rock in a steel cage and from Raw 2000 on there. So he was thought of that highly coming in from another company. That tells you what you need to know about Benoit. Is like he was right there working with the top guys from the start. Yeah, and to think about, like, where everybody would be now, um, like, I feel like Eddie and Benoit would have been agents for sure. Oh, they yeah. would have been the forefront of a lot of these guys um, getting some more shine, a lot of these smaller guys. I know Dean Malenko still is an agent, and he would do, a, you know, a world of wonder for these guys, uh, like, talent now. And uh, it's kind of a sh- – it really is a shame. I mean, of course, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on the Benoit thing. We've talked about it. We know everyone knows what happened. And of course, Eddie, you know, it, it was, it's heartbreaking to know that, you know, all those years of drug abuse and alcohol abuse, you know, eventually caught up to him. Um, and, and we got, got his untimely death. It was still a shocker. It's still a shocker to me. Well, um, imagine those two in NXT, that performance center training people like just technique wise. I mean, and and everything, man. They'd be like an all-star team down there training people at this point. I mean, you got Shawn Michaels now, but those two under Shawn Michaels, I mean, the sky would have been the limit for those guys learning down there. It, it really would have, and it makes me wonder what kind of matches we would have got following that as well. Um, you know, of course, the, the whole the whole Fable WrestleMania 22 deal was supposed to have been Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels, and like. I, I would foam at the mouth for that, which is, you know, I would, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, but of course, you know, kind of, we were robbed of it. Nope. Uh, interesting fact, Travis, when Rey Mysterio debuted in July, 2002, he defeated Chavo Guerrero. 22 of the next 23 weeks saw at least one match between one of the SmackDown six against the other. It's wild to think about. It's nuts. Paul Heyman knew what he was doing. Like he knew what he, he had his core nucleus of people that he wanted to to move around and, and, and actually elevate on SmackDown. And it's very obvious because during this time, these six people are put into tag teams, and that's who they crown the tag team champions with is like those teams, and and they're all working with each other, and it becomes second nature of what people were doing. And then you throw Rey Mysterio and Chavo in there too, who have worked each other countless times in WCW. It's, it's just like a match made in heaven like that era of SmackDown is not talked about enough far as quality wrestling every week. They well, even start got, beating raw in the ratings at this time. You, you got to look at it as well, because the whole idea of the draft was to generate competition between themselves, essentially. And they did Like Paul Heyman talks about it, how um, it was the bitch brand that SmackDown was supposed to be the B brand, the bitch brand. Like it was not the A brand. And, and then they started beating them in live event attendance and gates. And then they were beating them in merch and then they were beating them in ratings. So it kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes like, Oh shit. And it's hard to argue that, you know, these six guys are the reason for that. 
Oh yeah. And then you throw Brock Lesnar in on top of that as the, the new the new big guy, and then Taker. Um, man, you had your you had your top, and then you had your guys fighting to get to that spot, and it's it was just great. Raw didn't have that structure at the time. Yeah, and and when you look at the SmackDown Six too, you have an assortment of guys where Kurt could be a mid card, he could be in the tag team division, and he could also be in the main event because he's a former champion. Edge, mm -hmm. same thing, tag team mid-card, and he's on the cusp of becoming a main eventer. Eddie Guerrero, he's you know a mid-card, upper mid-card guy, tag division with Chavo. Rey Mysterio and Chavo with the cruiserweight division. They kind of have that on the lock. And then Benoit, same thing. Upper, upper mid-card to main event guy because he's had the rub from guys like The Rock. So mm -hmm. they're, they're, it's a good, like you said, nucleus of guys that are just there keeping the show intact. Now this SmackDown we, that we'll talk about here in a short, in a second that this matches on, there, there's so much random shit on here. And like you were talking about Tori Wilson and Don Marie, we'll get to it. We'll talk about it. Um, but on the other side on raw, we're pretty much about to get the reign of terror with triple H. Triple H is going to win the title from Sean as we covered it on uh, our past episode of at Armageddon in that three stages of hell match. And then triple H pretty much hold, holds the title uh, the rest of the year until Goldberg gets it off him in like October. Well, and I know it says like we're shitting on Raw, but there's actually some good stuff going on on Raw too. I mean, Shawn Michaels has come back. They've got Booker T, um, RVD, G RVD, Jericho. So they're not lacking in in stuff. It's just that they didn't have the work rate. And I know people will probably hate that saying, but the work rate of these six guys, they weren't doing that on Raw. Raw was more of your sports entertainment show. SmackDown was your wrestling show. Uh, yeah, I have makes, my, which I can't say I, that after the SmackDown I watched, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I have in my notes too, because you know, you have storylines like Katie Vick and then the hot lesbian action and shit like that. And then, you know, on this show, you do have a good but the thing is the wrestling on it's SmackDown mixed, super supersedes the storyline like right now you know the katie vick storyline and all that had just happened because yeah. sean he's in that feud with sean now it's just wild to me and um you can see why people were kind of getting bored with it and then the problem i think too is smackdown had these guys for their tag division raw didn't really have anything you know they end up getting the the dudley boys and you have christian and jericho and then rvd and kane ends up happening that's about it i mean you really don't have a whole lot no, you don't have a whole lot going on there, and they get Scott Steiner, but we know what happens with that. That turns into a bust and a half. But um, yeah, and you got to think, man, the these SmackDown Six guys weren't doing Katie Vick angles; they were saving like the entertainment angles for for the lower mid card and stuff. I mean, Tori Wilson and Don Marie were a focal point, but they weren't stealing like time from Kurt Angle and them during their matches, like. The Katie Vick thing ruined the whole Triple H Kane angle that could have just been about Kane being a monster and coming after Triple H, and they just they screwed it all up. Yeah, and you know who who that probably came from. Such good <laughs> shit. Uh, we would see these guys feud over the new SmackDown tag titles with multiple uh, of those tag team matches being on our list, including a match of the of the year nominee. From No Mercy, which crowned mm. the tag title, the tag champions from uh, Benoit and Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio and Edge. Yeah, it was, that's a good match as well. I mean, they were, like you were saying, all these guys were intertwining every week. 
especially because of this tag team to you know tournament to crown champions too so you were getting a healthy dose of all all of these guys in their tag team form around this time so this is when they're starting to move away a little bit from the tag teams because they're breaking up angle and benoit and i mean but they still talk about their you know their tag team and they work together in this match a little bit too michael cole points out so it's not too far away from that, but they've started to move away from them being as much in the tag team division. Yeah, and I think it's it adds depth to the main event because right now you really have Brock, Taker, uh, Hogan's gone, so Hogan's not there. Big um, show. So you, have, you have Angle and Benoit to add to that group. It, it, it had some depth to it. Um, and then we'll talk about it too, a, a match I didn't mention. Well, I don't think we've really talked a whole lot about, but Edge and... Uh, Eddie Guerrero have a great no DQ match. And that's, you know, we'll talk about later. Edge actually gets injured during that match. Um, it leads to bigger things later, but that match is pretty good. I added it to the list. Yeah. There is one guy they're trying to make a uh, main eventer around this time that uh, just did not stick. And he has an, it's Albert. And he has a little bit of a uh, bearing on this match, but uh, his big main event runs leads to a handicap match versus the undertaker at WrestleMania. That's it. That's pretty much it. You're right. <laughs> After Brock Lesnar was defeated by the big show at survivor series for the WWE championship, Paul Heyman had written into the match contract that if Lesnar lost, he would not be able to receive a title rematch. The following weeks on SmackDown, Brock would get frustrated and would be suspended by Stephanie McMahon this left Big Show without an opponent for Armageddon, which leads right into our match. And this show, this show, this episode of SmackDown took place on December 5th, 2002 from the America Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas. Of course, this is taped. It is, you know, a few days earlier than that. This is the date that it aired. So that's what I'm saying it was. Mm -hmm. uh, Albert defeated Rey Mysterio. After the match, Albert would attack Rey Mysterio with a chair to the knee. That's important. Crash Holly defeats Jamie Noble with Nidia. Nidia had a fat ass. I have a picture of that when I was <laughs> like 13 years old. With a, I, I took it on a fucking disposable camera. <sighs> good day. Good times. Good times. We would get a promo from Eddie Guerrero hyping the fact that Chavo and him could pretty much have the entire gold on SmackDown. With them being tag champions, Chavo has a cruiserweight title match on this show. And then Eddie, of course, if he wins, he gets a title match at Armageddon. Bill DeMott defeats Funaki. They're balls deep right now in Tough Enough 3. Uh, I did make the correlation that if you look at Bill DeMott around this time, just from the right angle, he looks like Kevin Owens. It threw me for a loop. Don't give that. Don't don't put that on Kevin Owens, man. I'll do that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I love <laughs> Kevin Owens. Great. Fucking great wrestler. Edge would cut a promo about grabbing the brass ring and says that when he sees Albert, he's taking him out. Of course, like a minute later, he sees Albert in the back. Uh, and they get into a huge brawl, which gets broken up. We would get the Cruiserweight title match with Billy Kidman uh, retaining his title against Chavo Guerrero. You can but, run if you want to, you but you can't. It's a good, it's a good, uh, good theme song. They dude, they were pushing Kidman. Kidman, would look, I, I was a fan. I liked Kid, him. Kidman was like the one Cruiserweight they brought from WCW that really got over besides the Hurricane. I mean, you could say I'll Chavo. Run if you want to and ray but i'm talking about from like the initial come in 80 percent of that over. was his entrance song getting yep. over because <laughs> he injured so many people on that shooting star <laughs> he injures chavo and when i watched the match back i was like is this where he injures chavo and i was like no it's not <laughs> i was like i was worried 
Uh, we would get something that would not fly by today's standards, and we would get a rap battle between Rikishi and a young John Cena. He has only been doing the rap gimmick now for like a month and a half. Um, it's it's he says, I, I, what was the line he said? Um, you trying to fight me is ru- 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 retarded or something like that. And I said, oh my god, like holy and, ta- shit. and Taz is like. MC in it, I guess. He's in the ring with him at the end, like in there with him. B squared is there. Oh, fuck Bull Buchanan. <laughs> That's a deep, deep cut, buddy. <laughs> Barry Buchanan. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Kurt would cut a promo right for this match saying he will go on and win the WWE Championship. It's true. It's damn true. And it leads into our match, which is Kurt Angle, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Edge. Before we roll into this match, Travis, and do our watch along, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we're back, guys. If you do want to watch along this match with us, pull up your Peacock app. You're going to look for SmackDown. Uh, it's going to be season four, episode 49. We're going to start at the 54 minute, 29 second mark. Travis, are you ready, my friend? Yes, sir. Is, is this where AEW does take 22? Is that what we're doing? Take now? 22. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to say three, two, one, and we are going to play. Oh, there's the iconic stage with the fist coming through it. Fuck yeah. But have a. I'd have a seizure watching Edge come out here. Here we go. The crowd loves Edge, too, though. He's over. I got to tell you, dude, um, we were talking about it before, but Edge coming out to his Rob Zombie theme fucking rules, and I prefer prefer it more than Metalingus. Sorry. True. I was a big fan of it. You knew they were pushing him when he got new theme music, especially with his Rob Zombie theme music. You were like, fuck. Look at all the edge signs out there. There's tons of them. 
Now, I will tell you, I noticed something. I noticed something during this show quite a bit. You'll see, to me, it's obvious cuts into the match. Um, You can tell they have edited the match a little bit. Um, I'll show you when we get to it. But uh, Edge is making his his entrance here. And, of course, shit stain Albert. Boom. (laughs) Takes the knee out. Shave your back. Shave your back. This is what they took the the singlet off Took the singlet off of it of Albert and it did not do him any favors. He just was never a badass no, man. He was just I, never I, good. <laughs> he was Draws's lackey. I think it was the hip hop hippo. Yeah, he was not, I'm not, a fan. not great. Not great at all. Edge's jacket badass though. His his old gear looks fucking cool. I am Love a fan of that right white and gold. And they're going to get the replay here of Albert attacking him. Um, man, I, this is one hell of a main event match to get. Uh, I do hate the fact that uh, Albert comes out here, but the whole idea of this is actually to make Edge look like a bigger star um, because he's getting attacked, and you'll see Edge uh, outlast two other men um, to make it to the, the last two of this. The endurance angle. The, give the baby face the big rub. He comes back from being injured and almost wins it or almost does it. Like that's that's exactly what they're doing here. Latino. Let me get Eddie's entrance here. I oh, mean, I love I love Eddie Guerrero. Latino cheat. How do you feel about the mullet? Uh man, Eddie always had a killer mullet. I, I don't hate it. It is weird seeing his entrance videos still have him in China in it a little bit though. Back there, they just showed a couple of times, but yeah, this is what he shaved the sides of the mullet, so he was definitely like art barring it here very much. Look how jacked he is, man, dude. I love the green tights too, always like the green ones. I, I miss entrance videos like this, like, you don't see entrance videos like that anymore, it's just their symbol or their name or something that doesn't have actual cuts from the match in it this theme this song too, too. great oh, theme song. Great. forcible entry baby i had that cd burn that shit I had up. that cd too it ruled it ruled there's a lot of good ones on there i think wasn't kane's song on there too yeah i think you had to buy that one from best buy to get the slow chemical theme as the bonus track god we're fucking oh, look cool. at this look lugs it, it makes me uh it takes me back a little bit we're not as cool as lugs though. With the Z, it's over because it's got a Z on it. I I had a pair of lugs. I think they were lugs because Birdman had a pair of shoes. Yeah, I was I was never a lugs guy. Sorry, never never had those. And here comes Kurt. Look how fucking like all these guys. Look how jacked Kurt is here. You suck. I love his gear here too. They still have the video. He has hair in it though. They have not updated it. Yeah, that they have not. You can see it in the background there. Um, I almost, I'm almost tempted to go to our uh, my crazy, uh, crazy tights website and see where he all wore this, but I'll, I'll save that for a later episode. And you know, the match is about to roll here, and you're gonna see, you know, is there is Edge gonna come out or not? Is, is he gonna start in this match or what? I do like that he has the, ring. the knee pad opposite of the red, you know, like the stripes, and then. They're opposite of the singlet. It makes it look fucking cool. Look at the look at this edge. Edge's entrance hits again. 
Seizure. <laughs> like, has he come back? He's limping out there. And he I'm going to look at him. I'm going to say this too. Edge sells this leg the entire match. Does not forget about it. Fucking great. He does. He does. And he looks like a, a baby face, man. Like he looks like the ultimate, like he looks like a main eventer. And then Kurt Angle's got the smile on his face. Like I'm about to, I'm about to fuck you up. Come out here with a broke leg. I love the fact that he gets into the ring and the first thing that Benoit and Angle do immediately attack him. Because yep. I mean, it's for a fucking championship. It doesn't fucking matter who it is. Wounded, wounded animal, essentially. Look at that, dude! I love the off. SmackDown ref having the blue, uh, the blue shirt. See, and we they cut to a commercial, so you obviously miss like the first two or three minutes of this, where they've already and got him down. I wonder if there's an edit out there somewhere that someone has the full match. WWE does, but you'll never, you'll probably never see it, which sucks. If they if they put out a this. best of SmackDown or something, that would be cool. Then you would uncut you matches. Know, I- I would, I would love to see. I know you have a, a guy who makes Blu-ray copies for you of matches. I would love to see all the matches of the SmackDown Six. Dude, that would probably be so intricate. But someone, I wonder if the, there might be something on that torrent website I use. People make packs of matches for like wrestlers and feuds, so it's worth looking up to see. Well, I mean, they go right for the knee, and dude, the, the way that they sell the knee here, it's like the, the attacking, it's so great. It looks so good. It looks vicious. Um, I would love to see something like that. I think I used I used to have a pack that was like that of just Benoit and Kurt matches. But mm-hmm. I would love to see a, a, a Blu-ray copy um, of, of just the, the SmackDown 6. We, we've talked about it in Bret Hart matches, but something that's so simple but looks so good is putting the leg on the rope and, j- and just dropping your ass on it. It lo- just yeah. looks good. In reality, it's like the safest move. Just like that. Probably super safe. <laughs> You've got a knee pad on everything, and it hits it, and it just, just looks vicious, though. Oh, my God. Kurt Angle, he is like Brock Lesnar. He has a habit of just throwing, whipping his whole body over the top rope. It's scary how he just does it. And Eddie Guerrero is so damn smooth. Like every one of these guys in this match, it's are so damn smooth in their motions and actions. As we always say, everything means something. Oh, leg drop to the leg. Every everything in this match does mean something. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I almost would have preferred this match to be just a four way match, not elimination. Just let these guys go at it for fucking twenty something minutes. See, there was an edit. Do you see the the quick cut? Yep. I will say this. You could tell this is Paul Heyman, though, because he was a big fan of elimination matches, not just... That makes sense as well. Not just four ways. Um, Something that doesn't get talked about enough um, with these guys... Watch this shit. Watch this fucking suit. He just suplexes his ass to the fucking outside. (laughs) That was amazing. We've seen a lot, (laughs) and I remember thinking, man, that didn't happen a lot, but... In these matches we've watched, we've actually seen that suplex over the top to the outside a lot. It actually kind of frustrated me because the crowd did, really didn't even react to it. And I was like, that was fucking cool. Well, it's a TV crowd. That's the only other thing I can think of is like they're just 
they get into it by the end of the match. They're on their damn feet by the end of it. But something's going on in the crowd because everybody's looking over to the other side of the ring. And I will say most most everybody there is standing to watch this. This is a sign of things oh. to come right here. Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Look at Eddie just fucking vicious. Point of the elbow. This is before the three amigos, too. I, I wanna I wanna talk about how all these guys are so good at kicking out because there are a lot of near falls that happen in this match. And dude, over the head belly belly. Uh there's a lot of um near Near falls and it's just it's like an art form. It's a beautiful art form to see. Love that they did that at WrestleMania against one another. Kurt Angle to go for man. the angle slam, and he just got him with the arm drag. You you said this in our group chat, and, and Kurt Angle is the master of kicking out the last possible second, like milliseconds. One, two. Look at that. Oh, and they even cut away he, just in case, like he did kick out. Benoit throws his Germans, but I mean, I'll even give Benoit credit. Benoit does the same thing. If you watch him in this match, there's a couple of near falls and he just barely gets his shoulder up and it looks fantastic. Look like he's Flying going with the, like a purpose. Oh. Like, he went up those ropes with a purpose. You don't see that One, as much anymore. Two, two. Look at that. Same thing. Eddie. Almost a three count. I like that pin there too. He like almost half Nelson his leg to his head. Oh. Execution. And Benoit laid out. I love that he would always put edge on something. There's like the edge o matic See, look, boom. Beautiful kick out. Uh, you have the edge o matic uh, the edu education. Look at Kurt. Told edu you, he just throws himself. Was it the educator? Uh, you had edge o matic execution. I thought we are missing one. Oh, here yeah, it comes. Beautiful German suplex, man. How many German suplexes do you think Eddie Guerrero's Boom. taken from Chris Benoit in his whole career? Quite a <laughs> it's few. Gotta, it's got to be hundreds. Yep. And here we go. We're going to get the first elimination here. He got speared. He has the cross face on. And Eddie Guerrero is the first one eliminated. Kurt's and right then, on Chris. He turns on him. Immediately. Oh, my Lord. And Kurt's going to do it. I'm telling you, I could watch I could watch Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit matches all day long. It would, it would not bother me one bit. Edge is going to go up here with the drop kick, which is beautiful. He uses it later on to sell him the knee. Watch Kurt. One, two. Beautiful. God. He you know, is like the master of these kickouts, man. He knows their cadence. And Mike Kyoto is a great referee, too. He doesn't get enough credit. I uh, have in my he notes here, tremendous. too, that Mike Kyoto is low-key top three ref of all time. Easily. Yeah. He's better than Hebner, in my opinion. Way better He doesn't make Hebner. anything about himself. Nothing like that. He stays in the action. Kurt only takes one arm strap down. I noticed that throughout the match. He only keeps the one down. Save another one for Benoit. Up, up. Verse. Edgematic. Up. And here's something I don't understand. Why yeah, would he not he just... get the win? Unless he just thought he caught him in a vulnerable position, so he grabbed the cripple cross face. It was going to come back to Angle. But then I don't understand why Ed – well, so you don't understand why Angle actually took that either. Well, same, well maybe the same concept. You can look at it. Maybe he was just trying to – beautiful ref, ref bump. It was great. Uh, 
the whole plan here is Eddie's going to come in with the tag title belt and just clock Chris Benoit. This is going to come in uh, handy later. There was a big edit there. Did y'all know if you saw yeah. that? Yeah, it's like they cut out like him jaw jacking Benoit or something. Spear. One, two, three. Well, it's Benoit's a creative way, to, creative way to get Benoit out and also continue him and Eddie's feud. So I, I didn't hate it. Also, while he's got yeah, him in the ankle lock, right quick, I gotta gotta put over Michael Cole and Taz. Like they were great during this, and they, they really, really were. This. They 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 were a good team. Like I feel like they don't get enough credit. I was about to say their run together isn't super long, but they were the like when I think of SmackDown, that's who I think of the commentary team because they were just yeah. that damn good. And they would go in and like redo their commentary with Paul Heyman and. You could tell it, man, that the, the passion Michael Cole had during this time is what you hear now when he's on SmackDown and stuff. So kudos to those two guys. Yeah, I like that he's in the ankle lock here. They're selling it. Even though he's not working the right, I mean, he's still working the left and he's putting it in. Uh, and look at that. I'm telling you, even just throwing himself through the middle rope, Kurt just lunges himself out of the ring. It's crazy. Uh, um, during this time, man, when I was a kid, you know, 20. 2002 shit hell was what 14 i was 14 you were 15 mm-hmm. um i would watch both raw and smackdown like religiously and yep. with brock like the early rapper version of john cena and the smackdown six were kind of the main reasons why i watched smackdown yeah I, that was like the main reason i watched it plus i was an undertaker fan but around this time undertaker wasn't doing a ton like he was kind of on the back burner a little bit but yeah, I, I, um, I, I would never miss it because we this is the UP. Is this still UPN or they switched to CW at this point? They still UPN, right? I can't remember. I think it's still UPN. I, I could be wrong, but I think, I think it's still UPN. Edge busted. Yep. He got busted during the commercial break. They'll show him he'll here shortly. He took a headshot right into the still steps and even the clotheslines look great. Mm-hmm. I love this edge gear. Like I, like I can't like get my head around it. Like I love it so much. Here we go. It's going to show you right here. He's going to blade, which I'm surprised that they allowed him to do so around this time. Well, this is, you still got to think they were like letting Hogan get color and stuff around yeah, this time right. too. So they, they hadn't mandated no blood, but this is still network television. So Here we it's go. kind of weird. A little bit bleeding. Uh, I, I like the fact too, like you were talking edge through this entire match sells the knee. He never forgets about the knee once. Yep. And man, you got to think Edge is getting the education of a lifetime, no pun intended, um, with Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, and Benoit every night for almost a year until he pretty much gets yeah, injured. And, the, and those guys knew their role too. They knew that they were going to be key players to help getting a guy, a guy like Edge over as a main eventer. And they do a great job. Well, you got to think Edge and Edge and Eddie had that past little feud they had, but also people forget Kurt and Edge were like a little faction on Raw there, you know, back in the early 2000, 2001. Team Eck. <laughs> they were a little comedy group, but they, they had some – Kurt Angle and Edge had, had a whole feud through the summer here at this point, so they were well, – they knew each other well. At this point, I think it's hard to argue that Edge is probably the number two babyface on SmackDown behind Brock. Well, and he was getting positioned that way. He was uh, you, getting you positioned that way until he gets hurt. They were making him. 
They had a solid babyface crew because you throw Rey Mysterio in there too. He was the ultimate sympathetic babyface at the time. But um, they they had a solid. You you definitely had a solid heel and babyface fat like roster, people that could work with each other, and it was defined really well. Benoit was kind of a tweener a little bit because he was like the reluctant tag partner to Angle, but then he was still everybody respected him. So, and then Benoit becomes full fledged babyface in a month. So, yeah, Royal Rumble I mean, match. And, and you know, we we start talking, you know, um, about different things. Um, what kind of leads to this match? We'll talk about in the aftermath. Whoa. But Whoa. Edge is about to, look at that. Whoa. Perfect. I mean, the and, and you could have easily placed Edge. You could have placed. To me, Eddie's the only person that would not make sense against Big Show at the pay-per-view. But any of those other three guys you could see going in there. And the cool thing about this match, too, is it's a it's a four-way elimination match. Beautiful overhead belly-to-belly by Edge to Kurt. But you... I, don't, I like... This match, like, it's a, it's a four-way, but it essentially comes down to this, and you're getting a full match with these two guys. Yep. And you you watch it, and it's like everything is clicking. These guys know each other so well. You know they've already feuded. You know for the first half of the year, um, right after WrestleMania, they you know that backlash, the Judgment Day, the the tag team matches they have with um, uh, Benoit and Kurt and Ray and Edge. So they've been in the ring a lot with one another, and these guys can put on a fucking show. Edge has come a long way since wrestling for a shampoo commercial. WrestleMania at this point. It's fucking stupid. I forgot all about that. <laughs> Him and Booker so T. Doesn't Kurt Angle wrestle Kane at WrestleMania 18? Yes. And it wasn't that bad of a match, but it was just like something no one really wanted to see. One, they tried some two. things at WrestleMania 18. I'll give them that. Well, yeah. I mean, they already had the draw. They knew that Rock Hogan was going to be the draw. Oh, oh. beautiful German. And Edge gets up and too. Like he's he's not he's not sandbagging him. Well, here's the thing too. You got to remember, and we'll talk about it too in the aftermath. Edge Edge is injured. Edge mm-hmm. is like having like loss of feeling in his fucking hands, and he's still having a great fucking match here. Great roll up too. There, great reversal to the German suplex. He just didn't want to lose that spot, man. He was on his way up. What a fucking spear. And that could have been the finish right there. One, two. Oh, last fucking second. Kurt Angle gets shoulder up. Because you know what? We haven't even mentioned that him and Hogan won the tag titles in 2002. Yep. Edge Edge got I that believe, rub too. I believe we talked about it in our, um, when we did the Raw Roulette, the TLC yep. 4. We talk about it a little bit there how influential 2002 is, and this is you know at the ass end of the, of the year of 2002. That's why we've had a lot of matches on the podcast from this time period. Oh, Edge here it comes going for the. Oh, it's so fucking good. Reversal. He's taking the spear. He took the the execution. Even reached for the leg there a little bit. One, two, last fucking second. Kurt gets the shoulder up. It's so Look fucking at- good, man. Look at the crowd now. Besides the Matt Jackson lookalike there flipping the camera off. I saw that guy. (laughs) Really quick, Travis. Cagematch.net users, what do you think they rated this match out of 10? I'm going to go 7.5. Ooh, 
8.59, dude. I uh, I shot lower just because it was a TV batch. I think Travis has a sneeze. He cut his grass. <laughs> Trying try not to sneeze into the uh, microphone, but yeah, I mean, I, I shot lower just because it's a TV match. People are using a little bit harder on those, but oh. pleasantly supply, pr- surprised by that. Yeah, one certain user had like the perfect analogy. He's going to go for this drop kick again. And he's going to sell the leg. Beautiful drop kick, selling the leg. He goes, uh, I have in my notes, with one certain person having the perfect analogy regarding this match, Phil Ossetti, I'm going to give him some credit, F-I-L-L-O-S-E-T-T-I, wrote in December 2022, 2002 to 2003 SmackDown was kind of like 2018-2019 NXT. A gold mine of great matches, therefore some gems get lost in the shelf. This is the case for this match. 100% agree. 100% agree with that. Because I had Ooh. not seen this match until you mentioned it when we covered the Royal Rumble uh, 2003. And I went back and watched it. And I was like, damn right, that was a good match. Fucking angle slam. You think it's over, Edge? One, two. Edge kicks out of the fucking angle slam. Great shit. Crowd is losing their minds back there, too. Um, and of course, Travis. Uh, uh, we... Always have a flip side of everything. Lene's Mountie Mark. Uh, I want to say he's been on the podcast before. It's Nasty Yaffa. It yeah, I'm pretty sure. He, yeah, it, pretty sure he has been. It's terrible, terrible name. He wrote five out of ten. A pretty good match. It started off good. Good. The psychology with Edge's injured leg was a good idea, but sadly, Edge's selling was pretty spotty. There were times in this match where he sold it pretty well. But then there were times where he's totally no-sold it. Him and Kurt Angle, unsurprisingly, almost went into the overkill with all the near falls in the end, too. Not a bad match overall, though. Two and a half stars. Dude, fuck off. Dude, he he sells the leg almost after every move. And then you can almost say the adrenaline is pumping. I think even Michael Cole says that on some of those kicks for the his finisher. To, I mean, to cover for the fact that he's not... Selling. I'm sorry he didn't strap a fucking leg brace to his leg and put it in a cast and hobble around the whole match oh. for you. Freaking nasty, whatever your opinion is. But um, nasty yaffa, yaffa, yaffa. These nuts. Um, but my thing is, is that's totally false. He sells the leg. It becomes a whole focal point of the Kurt Angle edge part. And the near falls man makes sense. They've been through two other guys. They're trying to get the win in any way possible to go to the pay-per-view for the freaking world title. It would be Edge's first pay-per-view main event for the world title. These guys know each other so they have experience. So why wouldn't they know the kick out at the last possible second, get as much you know time as they can. So And he sold, he sold the leg the whole match. Yeah, this guy just wanted to pick something to pick apart something man he's selling the leg right now he grabs it he doesn't have to cradle it every time hell he touched it after uh, um one of his ddts all he has to do is like touch it his face should be enough to show you that he's fucking in pain dude he's selling the entire match just because he isn't casting it up and walking around with a crutch doesn't mean he's not selling the leg you dipshit fuck I like the fact that Edge has pretty much thrown everything he has at Kurt. He's thrown the drop kick, execution, spear. Nothing's getting it done. And this Kurt Angle's making his way, way back up. This is yeah, the timing. Because he tried Ooh. it earlier in the match. 
with the oh, belly to belly. Top rope, angle slam. Kurt's barely able to get there. He's going to put one arm over him. One, two, three. What, what a fucking match. I and enjoyed that shit out of this. And go back to that guy's, and here goes Big Show with his oversized jacket on, which looked weird. But go back to what that guy was saying, man. He had to do a top rope angle slam to beat the guy because he had used everything he possibly could to try to beat him, and he couldn't. It made fucking sense for them to kick out. It means something that they're kicking out of those finishes because that's how bad they want the title match. I that belt really looks small in Kurt in uh, Big Show's hands, though. I love that belt. I actually, I feel like that belt does not get enough appreciation. It doesn't. It's, it's, it's probably my oh, third favorite one. Here, here's the main event: Tori Wilson and Don Marie. Which turn it 15, off. Fifteen-year-old Travis. Is like, oh yeah, <laughs> Al Wilson, you fucking she, dirty man. She is in a fucking. She, she is in a storyline with Don Marie over her fucking dad, Al Wilson. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's bad. <laughs> it's almost. It's not Katie Vick bad, but it's still pretty bad. There's still death involved at in both angles. <laughs> She basically fucks him to death. Yeah. Fuck that guy's opinion, though. Fuck nasty Yaffa. Travis, uh, thoughts really quick on this. Edge on the cusp of becoming a main eventer in 2003, if not for the injury, we'll talk about it here shortly. It was obvious that he could hang with main eventers. Oh, yeah. He he, he had already proven that with Angle in the summertime, and this was just icing on the cake here. Um, and for him to be a part of that SmackDown six is a huge honor just in itself that he could go out there, and put matches on with Eddie, Kurt Angle, uh, Chavo, Chris Benoit, him and him and Ray hadn't really feud at this point, but later on they will. And the chemistry is, is there with these guys. And it's obvious every time they lock up, this match is evidence of it, man. They, they didn't miss a beat. Like they may have edited a few things here and there, but there's no botches. They're kicking out at the last possible second. They trust each other on these moves and what they're doing. So he's right there, man. He, he was getting ready to break through. If not for the injury, I think. What do you, what do you rate this match out of 10? I give it an 8.75, man. I, I, I just wish kind of like you, that it wasn't an elimination and we might've, might've got more of Eddie and Benoit, but man, if you go past their, their parts of the match and you go to edge and Kurt angle, Man, I, I'd almost rate that a ten. Man, they didn't they didn't slow down. I felt like the psychology was there. Near falls, the action was great. You you felt edge of selling to me was great. He was fighting for it. Um, I just wish it might have been a little bit longer. I mean, it's only like a sixteen minute match for those four guys to do. So I, I I'm gonna give it an eight point seven five. And Kyoto, give Kyoto an attaboy there too. He didn't make the match about himself. He's always in the right spots. He didn't screw anything up like that WCW ref we've seen, and the commentary was great. So, man, it, it, it's it's a great it's a great four way match on TV. And if it had probably been five six minutes longer, it'd probably been a nine point five to nine point seven five. To me, this is the epitome of why we've done this podcast mm -hmm. because we discovered a match that we completely forgot about. That was it's there. We just forgot like we don't remember this match because there's so much shit going on that doing research for one other match led me to want to watch this match i watched the match and i was like i gotta add this to the list and we got to this match this year which is awesome um i can't speak highly enough about the year of 2002 
Um, there's some weird shit like Katie Vick, but there's a lot of cool shit. Like I still say 2002 is the most influential year in wrestling. Um, it's up there with 97. It's up there with, um, uh, you, I mean, you could pretty much put it with anything. And mm-hmm. this is towards the ass end of the year and the stuff that you're getting like these guys. Um, I mean, I get, I get to give this match an eight and a half. I would give it higher if, um, if it was a little bit longer and if it was just a, a four-way match, I think, like you said, I want to see more Eddie and more Benoit, which we do, you know, in the aftermath, we'll talk here shortly about it. But I mean, it's a solid eight and a half. And like you said, the stuff with edge and Kurt, if it was just those two guys in this match, fucking 10, it's amazing. These guys have such good chemistry and it's like undeniable how good they are together. No, it's like, they're not even having to think about it, man. They're just hitting it and going moving to the next thing and it's it's evident that they trust each other and they're they're putting it out there i mean they they didn't slow down and and the fact that they didn't slow down and still edge managed to sell the leg with the facials and 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 just the selling of the leg is phenomenal too like that's something today you get you get your leg injured in a match you forget about it till the, the after the three count then you grab it again edge sold it the whole time the thing i have a kind of an issue with too is not too long after this, we don't really get Edge and Kurt wrestling ever again. They, you know, the whole time that Edge has a heel run, he doesn't really have a match with Kurt. Well, and then it, around that same time, what is it? Kurt's a heel too, most of the time. Uh, Edge is gone for most of 03. Um, when he comes back, Edge is on Raw, Kurt Angle's on SmackDown. And then when they pretty much flip flop. When when Kurt Angle's on Raw, Edge is on SmackDown, so it's fairly rarely they touch after this year. Maybe here and there that something we can't think about, but you know it's very rare. And and yeah. and to, to just to touch back on what you said about the podcast, I mean, look at we're watching back through like SmackDown and Raws, trying you know I'm watching through 2000, still trying to finish that up, and you're watching through 92, and it's it's those matches like this one that when you add it to the podcast, people are like, I don't remember this match. And then they listen to it, like, man, that was, or watch it. They're like, man, that was fucking good. Like it should be on there. And that, that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's the beauty of wrestling, like things that you, you forget. And then all of a sudden you watch it again and it's brand new and it's awesome because you hadn't seen it in 20 years. So it's, this is definitely the reason we kind of started this podcast is to talk about matches like this forgotten classics, which there's always going to be the ones that everybody knows, but this one right here is definitely go out of your way to watch it. Cause it is fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Seek this match out and then uh, definitely watch it along with us as we talk about it. But let's roll into the aftermath uh, at Armageddon. All four men would have matches. Ed edge would defeat Albert by disqualification. Chris Benoit would defeat Eddie Guerrero, which is actually a pretty fun little match. I think we talked about it on the match uh, uh, that we did with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And Kurt Angle would defeat the Big Show to become the new WWE champion uh, with help from Brock Lesnar. Yep. And then Kurt turns officially heel and sides with fucking Paul Heyman. It's probably the best thing they could have done because, of course, they're leading into Brock Angle at Mania, and right, rightfully so because they hadn't touched yet. And it's great. Yep. It's- I love it. And Paul Heyman being a part of it's pretty cool too. Yeah. Kurt would full on turn heel with him and Benoit having a fantastic match at the Royal Rumble in 2003, which we've covered on the podcast. Uh, still probably one of my favorite wrestling matches ever. It is a great match. It is awesome. Not a five star, though. Not a five star by Dave Meltzer. Go fucking figure. 
Uh, Eddie and Edge would both be in the Royal Rumble match, uh, where we would see uh, the infamous botch of Edge landing on Christopher Nowinski's head on on the dropkick, effectively ending his wrestling career. Yeah, one too many concussions. I mean, that's it's just the way things go sometimes. It's it's not ballet, as they always say. And he went on to do some really good things, especially with the whole concussion protocol. Um, man had Chris Benoit's brain and got to study it, which is pretty fucking interesting to talk about. But um, I don't know if we'll have a whole lot of mention of Christopher Nowinski on the podcast. Eddie and Chavo would lose the SmackDown tag titles to the newly uh, debuted Team Angle in February, ending their reign at 81 days. Edge shortly after was supposed to team with Benoit and Brock Lesnar to take on Team Angle, but would be written off TV prior to No Way Out due to him having losing feeling in his hands. The injury happened during that match that we talked about, the No DQ match with Eddie Guerrero that past September, and he would be forced to have surgery. He would finally make his return in 2004, and he would go on and have a great match with Randy Orton. Immediately, like, what is it? He breaks Break his, his hands. <laughs> yeah, I think he, well, he, has, he has a match with Kane first because I remember he wrestles Kane with the cast on and then he wrestles Orton shortly after that. So it's like he comes back, immediately gets hurt, and we're like, fuck. And then, like, they wouldn't let him wrestle with a broke arm now or broke hand now, but it was just like he, he, you could tell he wanted to be back in the ring because he's like, fuck it. I'm wrestling with this broken hand. I don't give a shit. And he still put on some good matches with that broken hand. And it looked like a million bucks when he came back, too. But, yeah, guys, that's this this week's episode. That's We've watched all through the match. We've kind of give our opinions on it. Travis, let's roll on to the Will of Destiny. If you guys are new to the podcast, this is how we choose our next week's match. Myself and Travis have put this list together with the help of some of our friends. They, they give us suggestions all the time of an ongoing list of matches that we think are great, our wrestling recommendations for you to watch, just like the match we just did. Really good one, by the way. Um, but these matches span from 1977 from the WWF all the way to uh, a couple of weeks ago with WWE. Uh, so it covers WWF, WWE, WCW, NWA, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, UWF, uh, NGW, the show I'm involved with, um, which we got a show coming up. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, but Travis, what do you think we're getting this week? I'm going to go um, late 80s WWF. Ooh. We got two, 303 matches. Uh, of course, I still want DDP versus Savage. I'm going to pick an NGW match. I think we're going to get an NGW match. I really want to get the podcast some exposure to um, some of our uh, matches that we've put on in the past. I'm just not saying what I really want because I, I don't want to jinx it. So. <laughs> right, let's spin the wheel, baby. Spin the wheel. It is spinning. Spin the wheel. Fuck you, Scott. Fuck you, Fuck Scott. Fuck you, Scott. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck yeah. you, Eric. It is stopping, Travis. <laughs> this is very topical. Uh-oh. What is? What do we got here? So this is WWE... 2016. Okay. Backlash. Oh, is it is it Amber or is it no? It's Ziggler and Miz, isn't it? It is Ziggler and the Miz, man. I watched that match live and in living color. I was there. That's right, you were there. Is that the same night that uh, AJ wins the title? Yep, AJ wins the belt for the first time that night. Richmond, Virginia. Because isn't that the um the presidential election like or like they're doing like something it's not the election but it's the um like the primaries or something like that are going on like yeah, the debates going on and debates. that's why 
they put the main event on first. Yep. Or something it's something like that. I can't remember, but I was there for the show because it was uh pretty sure it's around my birthday was when it, it is. I think it's in September. It may actually be on my birthday. Let's look really quick. But uh I was there for that show. Miz and Ziggler put on a hell of a show for the Intercontinental title. Let's see. I also got a ticket it, on the se- way. It back. was on September eleventh. So yeah, September you're right. 11th. I got a ticket on the way back from there because I had a a blown tail light, apparently. Oh, th- maybe this isn't the show I'm thinking of because this is the show where I thought Cena was involved in this show, but he was not. No, this is the when they first when they start back up the brand split and they're having their own pay per views again. Because is this is this Miz's and Ziggler, and if Ziggler doesn't win, he has to retire or something. I'm not is sure, it- but the good thing is, is if they listen to the podcast next week, they'll hear all about it. Damn right. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for this one, man. I think this one's uh, going to be a fun one. Very topical because, you know, of course, there was a bunch of releases and Dolph Ziggler was one of them. Yep. Which was uh, it's a little crazy that he was one of the guys, but you got to think, man, he wasn't on TV. Uh, he hasn't been on TV for a while now. Um, so essentially you're paying a guy to sit home and, and Endeavor's coming in looking at that and they're like, yeah, we're going to cut some fat. So. I mean, a lot of people are blaming like Triple H and stuff, but they got to realize that Endeavor just bought them. So this is Endeavor's call now. It's not really Triple H or any of those guys' call anymore. Travis, this is not the um, win or go home kind of match with with Ziggler, though. Yeah, but, th- yeah, but this is still a damn good one. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's almost 20 minutes long, if I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be fun to talk about Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we've talked about him on the pa- podcast before, but this is, I believe, the Miz's first match on the podcast. That is true. We have not talked about the Miz on the podcast at all. Well, I know Ed Ziggler's been on here with Edge um, before, so this will be, uh, be good to cover, and then I can talk about being, uh, being at the show. Fuck yeah. Travis, let's polish this episode off, my friend. What you got for me? Uh, you know, just still selling stuff on eBay over there at TGL The Man 12. Uh, just put up a bunch of wrestling books and stuff the other day. Already sold a few of those. Um, also, we got the Smoky Mountain Collectors Con coming up. Or, I mean, Collectors Fest coming up here in uh, a couple weeks, October 13th and 14th. It's a two-day show. Come on down and see us uh, as we try to sell you some stuff um, here in Pigeon Forge. You can look it up on their Facebook page. Uh, just look up Smoky Mountain Collectors. Um and then it'll it'll come up but uh we'll be sharing some more of that as they start to tell us where we're sitting and things so uh we're looking i'm looking forward to that uh shout out to the guys over there at bleeding john uh he would have been proud tonight edge blood in this match don't know if we're <laughs> going to get any updates from those guys for a little while because uh moxley got concussed last week uh in his match with ray phoenix or however how they say it but um he got concussed so we may not see old john moxley for a little while but Shout out to those guys for doing the Lord's work. Uh, shout out to our buddy Brandon A. Lene from Canada A. for being on last week's episode. Uh, check those guys out over there at Rants at the Black Lodge. Uh, it's good seeing Brandon on the show, even though I had to see more of his chest hair and stuff than I wanted to <laughs> last week. Um, but, you know, thanks for t- being in there for that. So it's always good to have Brandon on the podcast with us there. Gives us a flashback to Wrestling Ruin days. But uh, I believe that's about all I got for. Uh, for myself yeah guys uh definitely check out wrestling recommendations on all social media platforms what 
you can actually check out our watch-alongs, which drop on Saturdays. Uh, we dropped this one. We have the full match of Barry Windham versus Ric Flair from Battle of the Belts 2. Uh, fun little match. Good having Brandon on, like Travis was talking about. Um, but definitely check us out on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. Wrestling Recommendations on TikTok and Facebook and Wrestling Recom on Twitter. Um, NGW, guys, we just announced another match tonight. We have eight matches in total. Six have been announced. Um, a lot of a lot of action. Matt Cross and Pentagon Jr. Penta El Zero Miedo, uh taking on Dirty Breeze, NGW champion Tyler Breeze and Dirty Dango, former Fandango. Uh, of course, a uh, bunch of different matches. Sue Young's in action against Kayla Cassidy. Uh, Warhorse is taking on the the new NGW Eastern States champion Caleb Conley. Titles on the line. Um, and then Shaft versus Calvin Tankman is going to be a fucking Haas battle. Uh, and then Danny Moe taking on uh, the debuting Shazam McKenzie. So I'm really excited, guys. Uh, Nightmare in the Old City taking place October 8th in Knoxville, Tennessee at Jackson Terminal. Get tickets at nextgentn.net slash tickets or at the door. Uh, bell time is at 6.30. So definitely check us out. Um, till next week, guys, we get to cover uh, Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. Travis was in attendance for this one, so it's going to be a fun one. Um, I'm Eddie. And this is Travis, and we'll see you then.